<coughs> Parsha's Kisisa has 139 Pesukim. Pretty sizable Parsha. <coughs> As Sam uh, has pointed out a few times this week, a lot of really interesting, a lot of really, really interesting and unusual Pesukim that require a lot of, a lot of parish. Obviously, the Chet Ayin Gimel, the Chet Egel, is uh, a painful centerpiece of the Parsha. Lots to unpack. Okay, but let's begin on page Sadi Bez. Vayedaber v'chulu lech reid, the left-hand column. Moshe Rabbeinu is on top of Har Sinai. <coughs> Moshe Rabbeinu is in the Shemayim. Moshe Rabbeinu is getting the Torah. All of a sudden, things are uh, spiraling out of control. Vayedaber Hashem el Moshe, I'm just reading the full Pasuk. Perak Lamed Bey is Pasuk Zion. Vayedaber Hashem el Moshe lech reid. Lech raid. Go and descend. Moshe, get back down to the bottom of the mountain. Why? Because the people that you brought out of, out of Egypt, right, your people, Moshe Rabbeinu, have shiches. What does shiches mean? It's hashchasa. Hashchasa means to, like, to destroy, but to pervert, to corrupt. The people have corrupted. The people have done something very perverse. So Moshe, get down there and, and quickly, uh, quickly solve the problem. Right, Pasuk continues, Saru Look how quickly the Jews have deviated, gone off the off the path. So they built they made an Egel Masecha. You know, Moshe, get down there and get down there and clean up this mess. Listen to Rashi for a second, it's gonna be important. Rebbe's gonna he's gonna quote part of it, but just listen to the whole Rashi for a second. Rashi says on the words Lech raid, go and descend. Rashi says, based on the Gavar and Brach Lamad Bez, raid Migdulascha. Moshe, you have to go down from your Yigdulascha, from your position of prominence. You've been demoted. If this is how your people act, Moshe Rabbeinu, right, and, I, and the only reason you were given a position of authority is because you're a leader of Klai, so well, look how they're acting. So when they go down, the leader goes down with them. Leich, raid, raid Yigdulascha, go down from your level of greatness. Lo nasati lecha gedula ela bishvilam. I only gave you grandeur, I only gave you prominence because of them. And look what look what happened. Look how they're acting. So Moshe, if, if B'nai Yisrael is acting in a degraded fashion, you're going to be demoted. Says Rashi, Rashi says, based on the Medrash, it was in that moment that Moshe was excommunicated by the heavenly court. He got kicked out. They threw him out. Raid Migdul Get out of here. Right. Go down from your, from your level of greatness. You don't deserve the the prominence that's been given to you, because the people that you took out of Mitzrayim have corrupted their ways. It's pretty intense. Okay, so let's look inside. Says our Rebbe. He quotes, again, the Medrash Chazal. <coughs> Medrash doesn't always mean Medrash. Medrash means in the in the analysis of Chazal. It's a Gemara in Brachos Lamed Beis. Leich reid migdulasa. Ashi again quotes it. Reid migdulasa, go down from your prominence. Yesh lefarish divrayim beremez. So Chavar the Rebbe has very famous Torah, very, very famous Torah on this. This is a very famous piece. In the B'nai Yisachar, in the Sefer on the Moadim, he talks about this in many different ways, in many different places. Very important and famous Torah. Yesh Lafarish Duvrayim Beremis. Ki hinei beiz osios reish dalid batorah heim gidolim me osios rabasim. We know sometimes there are small letters in the Torah, there are big letters in the Torah, there are inverted letters in the Torah. There's all sorts of unusual things that you find throughout the Torah and really throughout Tanakh. So it happens to be, if you're reading the Chumash, you'll notice there's one place where you encounter a big resh and one place where you encounter a big dalit. Where is there a big letter resh in the Torah? In our parsha. We're warned, do not bow down to an El Acher. And how is the word Acher spelled? With a? Large Resh. That's written in the Torah. It's actually a, it's a big letter Resh. Where is there a big Dalid? V'hadalid de'echad. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem. Echad, with a big Dalid. Now, why did a Kodesh Baruch Hu put those letters in large font? Why is that the tradition that we have a large font for the Resh and the Dalid of Acher and Echad? So obviously, Chavar, you can tell right away that the word Acher and the word Achad, a Reish and a Dalit, actually look very similar. What's the difference between a Reish and a Dalit? 
terms of the way that it's written in Ksavashuris. The little, right, it's rounded versus a little point on the back of the Dalit. What we'd call little coats, a little point, right? A little point, a little tip on the back of the, on the back of the Dalit. That makes all the difference. A Reish and a Dalit. Because if I, God forbid, mix up a Reish and a Dalit, so I could have a disaster. I could say, God forbid, lo sishtach ve'le'el echad. That would be bad. I could say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem. Acher, God forbid. Kvira. And it's a very fine point, literally a point, a pint, a pint of yid, a point on the back of the Dalid, that little coats, that little point, that makes that makes all the difference. Yes? I was Oh yeah, Ra'al if they meet at Okay, so Dal and Arish. You don't want to mess up a Dal and Arish. It could, it could turn out to be pretty clear. Uh, okay. So have a look at the Rebbe says here. It's unbelievable. This is such a great piece. Don't be mebulbal. Don't confuse Hashem Echad and the Sitra Achra. You can't mix up an Echad and an Acher. They look so similar sometimes. In life, you have to develop a nuanced eye. What is Ratzon Hashem? What service of Hashem? A therapist, a young woman who's a therapist, called me yesterday. She wanted to talk to me about one of her clients who's experiencing religious OCD. So I told her, part of, and there's a lot of parts to that, there's a lot of parts to that, but part, part of a religious OCD, I mean, there's the general OCD element of it, but part of a religious OCD is when a person gets locked into a certain way of, of serving Hashem, that becomes, at a point, not Ratzon Hashem. You're so paralyzed by your need to serve Hashem in a certain way, that that's not what the halacha asks of you. Shulchan Aruch is very clear. If there's an emergency, you get in the car and you drive to the hospital on Shabbos. You're Mechal Shabbos for, for Pikuach Nefesh. And the Shulchan Aruch says, and if you're so from, this is what the Mechaber writes, if you're so from that you hesitate in that moment, because, I don't know, Shabbos, that's not Ratzon Hashem. Hashem, that's the halacha is that in that case, Shabbos is nidchach. Shabbos is pushed aside for pikuach nefesh. If you hesitate in that moment when someone's in danger, because it, it's hard for you, you're not used to violating Shabbos. So, God forbid, says the says the mechaber, you're a shofech adamim, you're a murderer, you're a murderer. If something happens to that person, the blood's on your hands because you're locked into your version of what is Hashem. Right? on Hashem means what does Hakadosh Baruch Hu want from me? What does Hashem need me to do in this particular in this particular situation? And, and sometimes it's again it's very nuanced. What could appear to be a mitzvah could be a big avera. A religious OCD could be a big avera. Right? Sometimes doing an avera, driving to the hospital on Shabbos, violating Shabbos is a mitzvah. So figuring out the echad versus the acher is a very delicate thing. Sometimes a person thinks, I'm serving Hashem, but really you're worshipping you're worshiping idols. Who's the idol? Yourself. Your own ratzon, your own understanding of things. You're not serving Hashem with surrender, with bittel, like an eved who's doing ratzon of his, of his master. One example of serving Hashem, which is not really serving Hashem, is when you do things with a certain pniya, with a certain what? With a certain self-serving inclination. You're doing it Lolishma. Now, again, we know within the realm of Lolishma, there's a Lolishma that leads to Lishma. You don't always have to do mitzvos in the most perfect way. Right? But sometimes a person convinces himself, I'm, I'm Amish doing this for the right reason. You're doing it for all the wrong reasons. You're doing it to, to impress someone else. You're doing it in a two faced way. There's some type of Pnia. Pnia, right? Pnia means to turn. You're, you're, you've turned your back on Hashem, even though it looks like you're, you're pretending to turn towards Hashem. It's dishonest. Sometimes it's the opposite. As the Gemara says, We learned it this week a couple of times. Mordechai, it says in the Megillah. What did Mordechai do? He fasted on the Lel Seder. He canceled Pesach. That was an Avera Lishma. That was the right thing to do. Ah, Pesach, how can I not have Matzah on Pesach? How can I be Mavatal the Mitzvah Achilas Matzah on Pesach? Mitzvah Daraisa, Be'erev Tochlu Matzah. How can I violate that? That's what the moment called for. So what appears to be an Avera can be a mitzvah. What appears to be a mitzvah can sometimes be an Avera. Be very careful in the sugya of El Acher. And that confusion, by the way, that whole world of confusion is the world 
of Eitzadas Tovera, where things get blurry. And it's Mamish the Sugi of Purim. It's the world of Amalek. Everyone knows Amalek is Gematria, Suffolk, 240. Amalek is Gematria, 240, which is Suffolk. Because the whole Mohos of Amalek is what? Ayesh Hashem Bikirbenu am I? And is Hashem with us or not? It creates, everything becomes murky and, and, and blurry. Says the Arizal, let's go back to the Pasuk, Lo Le'el Acher. Take a look. Lo Le'el Acher. What's the Gematria of El Acher? El is 31. Acher is 209. No, no, just El Acher. El Acher, foreign god. That we're told not to bow down to. 240, Gematria Malik. Don't bow down to a Malik. Lo Le'el Acher. The Arizal says El Acher is Gematria Malik. Watch out for the El Acher. Right? It'll sometimes present itself as Echad. It looks, it looks like the real thing. Be very, very careful. Lo So therefore, says our Rebbe, Vitzarich lishkol ma'od inyanov You need to weigh things. You need to measure things very carefully. You need to ask yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is this really what Hashem wants for me? That a person shouldn't, chas v'shalom, come to be toah, to make such a mistake. So Kaddish Baruch Hu said, I want to make it crystal clear to you. Hashem zoomed in. He blew up the font of the Torah. Right? Very clear. You should be able to see very clearly. Echad and Acher are not the same thing. Hashem made these two letters, the Dalit and the Reish Big. That a person shouldn't make a mistake because it's very easy to make a mistake. It's very simple for a person, God forbid, to make such a mistake. As I mentioned, and this all goes back to Adam Rishon being confused about something that was so simple. Don't eat from the tree. Well, maybe, right? That's how the Nachash begins. How did the Nachash begin his deception? Even though Hashem said, what do you, oh, we're already negotiating. Why are we negotiating? Even though Hashem said, maybe, he meant like, Adam became Mubobal. He entered into the world of Suffolk, into the world of El Acher, into the world of, of spiritual confusion, of Tovera, who's good, who's bad. Right? Who's, who's committing the genocide? Who's the oppressor? Who's the victim? Right? All the confusion of the world is rooted in that moment of Adam Rishon. He got caught in that world of Tovera. Meurav means what? Meurav? Mixed together. That I can't distinguish. I don't know white from black, and I don't know good from evil, and I, I, I can't tell things that are polar opposite, light and dark. I can't see the difference between them. That tovera is all mibulbal. That's the world of etzadas tovera. Because without that erbuvia, without that confusion, without that mixing, I should be able to distinguish right from left and left from right and good from evil. So, so look what our Rebbe says, the Rebbe says, that's why Adam's punishment was what? What was Adam's punishment from eating from the tree? By the sweat of your brow, you'll eat bread. You're going to have to work. It used to be you'd get your food for free. Now you're going to have to farm, you're going to have to plow, you're going to have to work the land, and there's going to be coats vidardar, there's going to be thorns, and there's going to be weeds, and there's going to be, you know, thorns and thistles are going to tatsmiachlach, are going to grow for you. It's going to be hard to plow and to plant, and there's going to be all sorts of little, you know, bugs that are uh, destroying your crop, and also all the struggles of, of making a parnasa go back to that moment where Adam violated. But says our Rebbe, what's coats vidardar? When you entered into a world, what are thorns, thistles, weeds, right? You get stuck in it. You get your hand stuck in it. You get your foot stuck in it. Right? It clings to you. It wraps around you. When Adam Rishon got dragged into that world of Tovera, you entered into the world of what? Of Kotz Vidar Dar. What's Dar Dar? Dalid Reish, Dalid Reish. Your whole life is now trying to figure out what's a Dalid, what's a Reish, what's a Dalid, what's a Reish, what's Echad, and what's Acher. You hear? Kotz Vidar Dar, Tatzmiachlach. More than that, says the Rebbe. 
Shachiluk shebeneyem hu kotz. The difference between them is kotz. What does he mean? All right. So first of all, the, 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 in, the, in the structural drawing of a Dalit and a Reish, the difference between them is that the Dalit has a coat, has a little point on the back. Right? But more than that, what's the gematria of Dalit? Four. What's the gematria of Reish? 200. What's the difference between them? 196, which is gematria of coats. So coats vidardar, achlach. Now your whole life is trying to figure out, right, to try to navigate the world of coats vidardar, to figure out the difference between a Dalit and a Reish. Unbelievable. Really unbelievable. That's why the Medrash actually says, when they were trying to figure out what to do with Haman, is that there's an unbelievable Medrash. The Medrash says that um, different trees were trying to figure out which tree would be Zoha to hang Haman. Where would the wood for the gallows be? Right? So the Medrash says the end, it came from a thorn. It came from a thorn bush of some sort. It came from a coats. Because Haman is the world of the, the coats Milara, right? The coats. Again, the point, just to clarify, whenever we talk about a, a little point, right, so it could be literally a thorn, which, which pricks you, which harms you, right? But it could also be like that little point on top of the letter Yud, let's say in the, the name of Hashem, Yud Kei Vav Kei, right? So there's four letters, Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey, but the point on top of the Yud, the point on top of the Yud is an important part of, the point on top of the Yud is an important part of, uh, Oh, thanks. Okay, so that might want to be a sound done. Yeah, so when you draw a letter Yud, right, so this point, you need to have this, this, this point on top of Yud. If that point's not there, the Sefer Torah is possible. Right, the Pintal Yud. Pintal Yud, the point on top of Yud. Thanks. Thanks. Um, no. No artist. Okay, so Hama, so the, this coats represents like a, a Jew almost like longing, reaching towards something above, right? It's, the, it's like the crown of Yudke Bavke. It's the highest point of, of the letters of Hashem's name. Coats, in a negative sense, is a, is a thorn, right? That, that harms, that, that uh, harms a person. They say, a Ramiz, they say, if you spell out Haman, spell out Haman's name, it's Kabachir Coats. Is that right? Hey. Mem, no, how much is that? 106 plus 80 plus 6, no. Hey, good? Plus 15? No, what? What am I trying to get to? Hey, hey. 186, hey, hey. Hey, hey, yeah, hey, hey. 196. Hey, mem, no, 196. Three ways to spell hey. Hey, hey, mem, mem, nun, bav, nun. Is one ninety six? Watch your coats, because Haman is the coat. That's why he was hung on a thorn bush. The Medrash says whatever that means. Uh, thorn bushes are usually not so tall, like gallows. But okay, so this is the sugya of Dalid of Dalid Nirish. So now, no, I'm just saying the point of the yud, the, the 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 coats in a positive sense can be very holy, right? The point at the top of the Yud is, is part of the Shem Hashem. Right? There's four letters in the name of Hashem, but the Tzadikim tell us there's really like a fifth dimension to the name of Hashem. The point at the top of the Yud is almost like its own madrega. Right? Just like there's five parts of the soul. So the highest or deepest part of the soul, called Yechida, is, is this point. Right? The four letters are Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, and Chaya. But the highest part of a Jew's soul, what we sometimes call the Pintala Yid, Right? The pintal yid means like the point inside of a Jew. But literally, the pintal yid, the point on top of the letter yud, it's called the pintal yid. The highest, deepest part of a, the indestructible part of a, of a, of a Jewish soul. Okay? So now, so let's finish the piece. Vinei zeyadua, demosha husod hadas bekodesh. In the Svarim HaKadosh, Moshe is always associated with das. What does das mean? How do you translate Das. Knowledge. What, what does it mean? How is it different than Chachma, Bina, Das? What's, what is Das? It's a combination of the two. It's a deformation of a finalized idea. Okay, it's a finalized idea. It's not just the Chachma is a spark of an idea. Bina is an expansion of that idea. Das is the solidification of that idea. Das means connection. The Yoda Adam is Chava Ishto. An Adam knew his wife Eve. 
What does that mean? He knew her intimately. They had children together. Das means chibur, means connection. So Moshe represents being connected with clarity. Moshe's, Moshe's locked in. Moshe, you're supposed to guide the people so that they're not all mibubal. Das means a person who's, who gets it, who's worked it out. Now where you're still, is this good? Is this bad? Is this right? Is this wrong? Das represents connectivity. Let's see if we can understand what the Rebbe is saying here. That through his Bechina, through this aspect of Moshe Rabbeinu, the letters Dalit and Reish are big. They're clear. There's no confusion. When you're, when you're locked in, there's no confusion about Hashem Echad versus El Acher. Right? There's no confusion about that. I'll tell you one more remnant since we're already in the Sugya. I mean, there's so much good Torah on the Dalit and the Reish. Acher minus Echad. Is it? Acher is how much? Acher is. Oh, yeah, I guess. Acher. Yeah, because it's Rish and Dalit, right? It's the same. Okay. But I'll, tell you, I'll tell you differently. What are we supposed to do to Malik? Yeah? So they can say it like this. Take a Malik. Malik's 240. Okay? And we're told, what are we supposed to do? To erase what? Timcha is Zecher Malik. So erase Zecher from a Malik. What happens if you take Zecher away from a Malik? Zecher is how much? 227. So if you take Zecher away from a Malik, what do you get? 13, which is? Rachi Echa. Timcha is Zecher Malik, gets you back to Echa. Okay? Now, more than that, if you go to the end of Parshas B'Shalach, what does it say? Hashem says, listen, the, the first time we fight Amalek, have that Chumash, please. What does it say in Parshas B'Shalach? The very end of B'Shalach, Amalek comes and attacks the Jewish people. And Hashem says, ay, ay, ay. Write this down. I will certainly erase the Zecher from Amalek. Mitachas Hashemayim, and Moshe builds builds him as beach beach. Vayomer kiyad al keska. A Malik has their hand on the throne of Hashem. Milchama lahashem ba Malik is the last pasuk in B'shalach. The battle of Hashem against the Malik is midor dor. How is dor dor spelled in the Torah? Not like in the Israeli newspaper, not Dalit Vavreish, right? It's spelled midor dor. The battle against the Malik is what? Midor Dor. What's it saying? What's up, Shat? That's the battle against the Malik. Learning to distinguish between a Dalid and a Reish is the whole battle against the Malik. It's Kabbalah. So, Chavis, when you have a Moshe Rabbeinu in your life, when you have clarity in your life, when you have Das, when you're connected, when you're not confused, right? when you haven't consumed too much uh, you know, media, trying to convince you of all sorts of wacky ideas, when you're able to just think straight. So again, according to Moshe's Bechina, the letters are written in big, in bold. Because when you have Das of Kedusha, when you have proper mindfulness, you're not confused about these things, you don't make these mistakes. We have to know, says our Rebbe, that the Chet Egel was not some silly little mistake. Again, the more you learn the Sfarim, you understand that something deep was happening there. It was obviously a huge Avera. But it wasn't some silly, you know, bowing down to a Vodazar. It was much deeper than that. So what was it? What was it? Exactly what it was? I don't know. And exactly what our Rebbe wants us to think it is? Also, I don't know. But there was some understanding, there was some calculation. It wasn't just some little act of rebellion, it wasn't some cheap thrills, it wasn't some 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 silly avodazara. There was some deep cheshvan. There was some confusion about Eitzadas Tovara. Anyone who has a crazy idea in the world, they think they think it may, they have some cheshvan, they have some calculation. Right? Why they think it's fair, why they think it's just, why they think it's right. Right? But there's there's like to a person who has Das de Kedusha, it's so obviously perverse. 
So Chete Ego also, there was some Taos in some muskal, in some, in some intellectual understanding of something. There was some conceptual idea that they were misled by. And many have spoken again about this. Chet Egel in many ways is, is really a hemshich of the Chet Eitzadas Tovera. Again, the same way. How could Adam, created by God Himself, be confused? Okay, that's, it shows the danger of a person falling into confusion. How could the Jews leave Mitzrayim, stand at Har Sinai, and then make an Egel? Okay, it's hard to understand, but we're all we're all you know we're all susceptible to to that type of confusion. Okay, top of page Sadi Gimel. Shechashu they thought, in the absence of Moshe, whatever they thought they were doing, they thought this was appropriate. And in truth, it was an avodazara. They thought it was a, somehow an expression of Hashem Echad. And you take a step back, you're like, what were they doing? It's El Acher. It's literally an Egel Masecha. What were they thinking? Right? So this too is a mistake of what? This is a mistake of a Dalit and a Resh. They thought they were doing something holy. They thought they were doing something appropriate given the circumstances. And it was actually way off. It was a big avodah So what does Hashem say to Moshe Rabbeinu? Concluding the piece, how did we start? What does Hashem say to Moshe? Moshe's on top. Moshe, leich, what? Raid. Leich, raid. Go and descend. Why does Hashem say to Moshe, raid, reish dalit? What was Hashem saying to Moshe? Get back down there and turn that reish back into... Adalit. Go turn that El Acher back into Hashem Echad. And what does Rashi say? Based on the Gemara and Brachos, raid what? Migdulascha. Go down from your position of prominence, but what else could Migdulascha mean? Reish Dalit, Migdulascha. The big Reish and the big Dalit. Right? That is supposed to, I wrote it so clearly in the Torah, Hashem says. I wrote it in big font. V'zesh Amar Hashem Yisbarach Lemosha, Lech Raid. V'ramzu Chazal, raid migdulascha. What does it mean, raid migdulascha? Right, the reish dalit, which were supposed to be big, has apparently not worked. Me'osan habeiz asvan. These two letters, reish dalit, shekasav to gedolim, that were written in a big print. Because what? Because Moshe, you were supposed to provide klali so with the clarity, not to be confused about these things. Bibichinascha sha'atasod hadas hakadosh. You were supposed to give them straight thinking. And lo aleinu kishiches amcha, the people that perverted, v'lo ho'elahem gadlos haosios, and apparently the big letters didn't help. So now Moshe, get down there, literally raid, descend, but raid, raish dalid, turn a raish back into a dalid, and go clean up the mess. Yeah? kind of seems like it, like, less easy to take this idea, because it was just that they were confused, it wasn't like an intentional... It's a more nuanced, it's a more nuanced thing. Again, at the end of the day, it's still a vodazar is a vodazar. Right? Whatever Cheta Ego was, we know how bad it was. And Kamara says in Sanhedrin, we're still paying for it to this day. Kamara says you get a flat tire on the highway, you're paying a, a small portion of a Cheta Ego punishment. Manush. We're still paying it off till this, till this very day. But okay. But, but again, we're dealing with... We can't make them out to be, you know... These were, these were Jews who saw the miracles left with Sraim and stood at Harsina. It's hard to imagine. Okay, maybe it was the Erevra, but whatever it is. Again, I don't want to learn the Sugi of Chet Hegel now. It's very big and very confusing, and there's a lot of different ways to, to kind of tackle it. But okay, we're not, uh, we're not looking to make excuses for Klai Yisrael. We're just trying to show that even a great person can get caught in some type of what they think is some type of nuanced understanding. And if you have Das, if you have clear thinking... It's Pasha. That's that's not that's not worshiping Hashem. That's literally a worshiping of Odazara. And that's that's a important warning. However, obviously there's a lot to say, just very, very simply, you'll think about it, right? But what month are we in? We're in the month of Adar. Right? What does Adar mean? Just say the letters. Aleph, Dalid Resh. You know what Aleph means? Aleph means to what? To learn. Right? Pasik says in uh, in Eov, I'll teach you wisdom. Aleph Lamed Pei means to study or to learn or to teach Hashem. Right? So Aleph Dalid Resh means that the sugya of Chodesh Adar is Aleph, study Dalid Resh. Learn the sugya of Dalid Resh. That's the sugya of Amalek. Aleph Dalid Resh. Learn Dalid and Resh. What's the question? That's what the word, Aleph means, Aleph Amit Pei. 
an aluf is a chief, a master, right? A teacher. So in, in Sefer Eo, there's a positive. It says, Aleph Chachachma, which means I'll teach you wisdom. So Aleph Dalad Resh means learn, study, teach, analyze, learn clear the sugi of Dalad Resh. Make sure you're a Dalad Nick, not a, an El Acher Gmachio Malik. Yeah. Ah, good kasha. <laughs> right, to get so drunk, to get so drunk that I start to confuse. Yeah. It's a good question, right? If the whole if the whole point here is to make sure we don't get into that world where a dalit starts to look like a reish, right? So, hey, right, it's, it's a good kasha. I have some thoughts, but it's it's bigger than what we have time for now. But it's a good, it's a good kasha. It's a good kasha. Dafka at a time where we're supposed to be mavarer this chiluk between Amalek thinking of confusion and clear thinking of a Jew. Dafka and Purim, I go, I enter a space of Adlo Yada. How could that? How could that be? It's a great question. Okay, Chaver, let's look at the bottom right-hand paragraph on Sadi Gimel. Venira Liod. Okay, he's commenting on the pasuk. Paraklamid Bey's Pasuk Yud, just a couple Pasukim after, Hashem tells Moshe to go down. And Hashem says to Moshe, you can see the Pasuk in the, the paragraph right after we were just up to, Very strange, hard Pasuk, hard Pasukim. Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem says to Moshe, Moshe, Va'ata, and now, Hanichali, let me be, leave me alone. Right? Release me, Kiviachal. Vayichar apivahem, and I'll show my anger against Bnei Yisrael. Vaachalem, and I'll destroy them. Vaeschal, vaeschal, and I'll make you into a great nation. That's the pasuk. Paraklamid beis pasuk yod. Moshe, if you'll just let me destroy, like Moshe's holding God back. It's a strange pasuk. Moshe, just hanichali, let me be. Leave me alone. And I'll get rid of them. And we'll start from scratch. And you have the das, and we'll, we'll build a new nation under. You know, under your watch from, from A to Z, and uh, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to think straight. And of course, Moshe Davin to Hashem and says, Chas Moshe defends Klal Yisrael, he fights for the Jewish people. He's not going to allow such a thing to take place under, uh, under his watch. Okay? So says our Rebbe in the bottom right hand paragraph, what does it mean, Va'atanya? How could it be Hashem wants to destroy Klal Yisrael? He's begging, he's begging Moshe for permission to destroy Klal Yisrael. Look what he says. Maybe we can explain, again, this very puzzling, perplexing Pasuk based on the following Maimur Chazal. What were the Luchos and why did Moshe break them? The Luchos were to serve as the marriage contract, the ksuba of sorts, finalizing in a certain sense the marriage between Bnei Yisrael and Hashem. Now, a pnuya shazinsa, a single girl, a single woman who is mezana, who commits an act of immorality, is certainly far less severe than what? Than a married woman who, God forbid, commits an act of adultery. So by shattering the luchos, it was sort of calling off the wedding. Moshe Rabbeinu, by, by, you know undoing the marriage that was unfolding, Moshe made us less guilty. That's what happened when he shouted the luchos, says the Metrish. Okay, that we should be treated like a pnuya, like a single girl, who's insa, who commits an act of immorality. Ki luchos heima kiddushim. The luchos were serving, right? Hareyat mekudesh asli, the luchos, maybe they were the ksuba, some said, but maybe the luchos were like, when the chassan gives a ring to his kala, so Hashem was giving us a ring. What was the ring? Hareyat mekudesh asli, he was giving us the luchos. That was the gift Hashem was giving us for the sake of Kedushan. And once we have Kedushan, once we've completed the first stage of marriage, Erisin, right? so then you're already treated like a married woman. Right? There's two stages to marriage. There's Kedushan and Nesuin, Erisin and Nesuin. After the first stage, she's already considered a married woman. She's just not living fully with her husband yet. She's still in her father's home. After Nesuin, she moves in to her husband's home, but she's halachically married. If he says, Haraya Mikudesh and gives her a ring, they're halachically married. If they want to call it off at that point, she needs a get. If she commits an act of adultery at that point, she's like an Arusa, like a, a, a quasi-married woman who committed an act of adultery. 
So Moshe Rabbeinu bitel Moshe as a Kedushin. Moshe wanted to stop the Kedushin so that we would be held less accountable. So maybe that's what Hashem is hinting to. Hashem says, Va'ata hanichali. Va'ata hanichali. Hashem says, Release the li. Pashup Hashem says, Release me so I can punish B'nai Yisrael. But you know how else you can read it? Release the li. What do you mean, release the li? Kvar kasavnu kamapamim. Li mikri hakedushin. Hareyad mikudeshes. Li. As the Katsuka Rebbe once said, Katsuka Rebbe said, I think his nosach was, you could say at Mikudeshes with all of the feeling and all the kavanas in the world, but if you don't say the word li, there's no marriage. at Mikudeshes. Behold, you are betrothed too. If you don't say the last word, there's no, there's no shidduch. There's no, there's no marriage. Right? So li represents a certain exclusivity that makes the kedushin. So Hashem was hinting to Moshe, Hanicha li. Let's call off. Let's call off the shit off so we can save Klal Yisrael. Li mikri kedushin harei at mikudeshes li kamaamar yisbarach baschalas matan Torah. How did we begin our courtship with Hashem? Hashem said vaatem to you li mamleches kohanim v'gai kadosh. Hashem said, I want to have an exclusive relationship with you. Everyone in the world is, in a certain sense, a child of Hashem. Right? Really? Is that true? What I, what I just said true? Is everyone a child of Hashem? It says in Parshas Re'ei, Banam Atem L'Hashem Elokeichem. Is everyone a child of Hashem? You are the children of Hashem. Is everyone a child? Are the Gentiles of the world children of Hashem? Yes, tell me. Oh, very good. It says in Shemos, right? My firstborn child is Yisrael. Which means that on a certain level, every human being is a child of Hashem. Right? Everyone, in a certain sense, is a child of Hashem. And yet, we understand that there's a distinction between what? Between what it means, us as banim of Hashem, versus the world, which in some small measure, it's alluded to in Shemos that maybe they're also quasi-children, but primarily they're subjects of Hashem's kingdom. Hashem is a melech to them. Hashem is a father to us. Avinu malkeinu. Hashem is a father to us. Hashem is a melech to them. So Hashem says, I want to have an exclusive relationship with you, different than my relationship with other parts of humanity. Vatem tiuli. Mamleches Kohanim v'goy Kadosh, right? So therefore, Amar Hashem Yisbarach Hani Chali. Ratzolomar, four lines from the bottom. Hana Chali, Hainu Akedushin. Moshe, throw off the Li, break the Kedushin. Don't complete the marriage. Vayichar Api Bahem. And then Hashem says, "What? Let me take out my anger on them." What do you mean on them? Hainu Sheyichar Api Al Akedushin. Let me take out my anger on the Kedushin itself. Let me smash the Luchos. Look what he compares it to. Hainu al haluchos. Sheyishbo chamaso alehem. Let me pour out my wrath on these stones instead of destroying my people. Ve'yachalem. Sheyunishbarim va'osios parachos. Let me smash the rocks. The letters will fly back up to the sky. And maybe that'll be enough, so to speak, Hashem says, to, to get out my wrath. V'zeu l'chaparas Yisrael, top of the left column. And this, of course, is for the benefit of the Jewish people. Ke'inyan chorban beis ha-mikdash. Like the Medrash famously says, how thankful we need to be. Mizmor la'asaf. You know the Medrash? Mizmor la'asaf. It's a mizmor. Why is that a mizmor? The beis ha-mikdash is being destroyed. Yeah, it's a big mizmor. It's a celebratory song. Why? Because Hashem didn't destroy us. Sheshafach chamaso al eitzim va'avanim, says the Medrash. That God poured out His wrath on what? On sticks and stones. He burnt the building. It's a huge tragedy. Don't, I'm not making light of Chorban Beis Hamikdash, but we celebrate the fact that Hashem didn't take out His anger on us. He took it out on on what? On the stones of the temple instead. So so to hear, Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, Moshe, release Hanichali, release the Li, call off the marriage, and then Vayichar Api Bahem. I'll take out my anger against the stones. And then we can start to then we can start to rebuild. Then we'll be able to start rebuilding a second time, and we'll get the marriage right the second time, as he goes on to explain the end of the end of the piece. Okay, but I want to get to a few other points, so let's uh, let's pause there and let's let's jump to the next piece. All right, let's go to the bottom left hand corner. Just trying to keep track of the time. Okay, says the Medrash on the pasuk Vayitain El Moshe Kechaloso. It was. When he had completed speaking. 
Chazal pick up on the word kaloso, bottom left hand corner on page Sadigil. Shem gave to Moshe kichaloso. Chalos means to complete, when he had completed. So Hashem gave to Moshe when he completed. It's Perek Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Yurchas. Right? I'll read you the whole Pasuk. Vayitein el Moshe kechaloso ledaberito. When Hashem, Chaloso, when he completed speaking to Moshe on Har Sinai, he gave to him, what's the continuation of the Pasuk? Shnei luchos heidos. He gave him the luchos. Luchos evan, ksuvim ba'atzvelokim. He gave him the luchos. When Hashem finished talking to Moshe, he gave him the luchos. Perek Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Yurchas. But Chazal, pick up on something interesting here, since there's a lot of marriage imagery at Harsinai. Chaloso sounds like what? Like his kala. Mahu kechaloso. What is kechaloso? Obviously the Pashup Shah means when he completed speaking. Ratzaloma lama nemar kechaloso. Why use such an interesting lashon? And all the more so since it's spelled, it's pronounced kaloso, but it's written without that extra vav. It almost looks like it's written kalaso, his kala. His bride. Alkain Darash Lashon Kala. So therefore Chazal Darshanit that what? There's an element of Kala here, right? Rashi quotes it. Look at Rashi in this week's parsha. Rashi says, Shinimsuralo Torah Matana Kikala Lachasan. That Hashem gave the Torah to Moshe as a gift, like a bride is given over to her chasan. So says Chazal, look at this Drasha. Chazal say, Amr Bishimon ben Lakish. Kol shuhu motzi divrei Torah. Anyone, it's a scary mimer Chazal, it's a good Musr. Anyone who gives over divrei Torah. If you have the opportunity to give a, to give a, a, a shir, to say a vart, to share a word of Torah, you have to make sure that you share it in a way that's sweet. It's a big achrayis to try to share Torah in a way that's palatable, that's enjoyable. Anyone, says Rishon ben Lakish, says Rish Lakish, anyone who gives over Divrei Torah, ve'enam arevim al shomehen, kechala, like a kala, shehi areva labala. If it's not sweet to the listener, if it's not as exciting as the chassan when his anticipation, his excitement to get married to his kala, noach lo, turning the page, shalom amran, would be better not to say it. If you can't give over Torah with the same enthusiasm of a chassan on the day of his wedding, Getting married, then don't then don't say Torah. Wow, that's high, that's high stakes. And that's what's hinted to here. Hashem gave Moshe the Torah like a kala. That at the time that Hashem gave the Torah to the Jewish people, that Hashem gave us the Torah with the same anticipation, the sweetness, the excitement of a chasan who's uh, so beloved. To Nikala, who's so beloved to Rechassan. Minayin, from where do you see that? How is that? Where, how do we know this? Rish Lakish says, Minayin, Shenemar, Vayitin al Moshe, Kechaloso. That's the Medrash. However, what's the Pshat? Listen to what Arabi says. What's the difference between the Chassan and the Kala? What's the difference between the Chassan and the Kala? What does it mean in terms of someone sharing Torah with someone else? Right? And how do, how do we understand the fact that a man can have more than one wife, but a wife can't have more than one husband? Look how he explains. The person who's teaching the Torah is like the mashpia, is giving over the way that the chasan gives over and provides for the kala, and the one who's receiving the idea, who mekabel dimyon hakala is a makabel, the shomea, the listener, is receiving. Again, the one who's speaking the Torah, who's teaching the Torah, is giving. So our Rebbe, the Agar, the Kal, is teaching us, and we're receiving now. We're shomea, we're makabel. We're like the Kala. We're listening to the Heilagah B'nai Yisachar. The first Melech is teaching us now, right? He's our, he's our chassan, and we're all the Kala. We're receiving his Torah. Okay. So now, what does that mean? Right? In the male-female, in the male-female male um, prototype, of male being mashpia and female being makabel. Right? In the formation of a child, the man is mashpia his zera, 
The woman is makabel, the egg is fertilized, and the baby is formed within her. So man is, is supposed to play more of an outward role, the woman is supposed to play more of an inward role. Right? Again, that's a general, a general, a general truth. That Zachar represents Mashpia and the Keva represents Makabel. The Chasan is Mashpia, the Nekeva is Makabel. Right? The man says, I'm giving you this ring, and she silently receives it. Right? He, he does the talking part under the Chopah. But the Bazoka, that's Mashvi Yisrael, puts the ring on her finger, and she's silently receives. She's Makabel. She's Shomeya. She listens. Why in the Medrash does it say that the Torah is like what? Like the Chassan whose Kala is so beloved to him. Why doesn't it say like the Kala who is Chaviv to her, her Baal? Achula dati, dihine Chaviva sa Chassan la Kala, bimashi odea shehim yuchedes lo, vishalot tekabel meachir. What's the chavivas? What's the chavivas that the kala feels, or what from the kala's perspective, when she looks at her husband, what does she feel? She says, "This is my only husband. I, don't, I can't have another husband." Now, from the husband's perspective, right? Al pitora, at least, he doesn't look at his wife with the same exclusivity because he could, in theory, take another wife. Yaakov can marry a Rachel and a Leah. From the kala's perspective, though. Right? There's a, there's a sense of this is this is the only this is the only one I can receive from. So what does that mean in terms of receiving Torah? Listen to what he says. And again, he's going to say it in his fiery way, and we'll try to be makabelit to the best of our ability. But if this woman is also receiving from someone else, she's involved with another man, so then she's also to her husband, right? If a woman cheats on her husband, she becomes prohibited to her husband. The relationship becomes forbidden. It's an exclusive relationship. He's allowed to marry more than one wife. She is not allowed to take more than one husband. But the chassan can have more than one wife. He can be mashpia to more than one person. Yaakov can be married to Rachel and to Leah. Right? Leah can only be married to Yaakov. And Rachel can only be married to Yaakov. She can't have more than one husband. So what does that mean? So what does that mean? That means that the person who's giving over the Torah right, can give it over to a lot of people. But the person who's receiving the Torah has to have some type of exclusivity in terms of receiving only from one source. Now, what does that mean in terms of what our Rebbe said? I mean, I can only, I can, I can only have one, one teacher. I can only have one Rebbe. Is that, what he, is that where he's going with this? I have to have a Rebbe Muvhak. I can't receive Torah from different people. Because right, then I'm like the Kala who's getting from different sources. He says that's not what it means. You know what he says it means? He says it means the following. If you're learning, but also in college, says the Rebbe. If you're receiving from multiple streams, if you're involved in external wisdom, v'leshonos hagayim, if you're involved in receiving from a lot of different, there's a lot of different input in your life. Such a person is not is not a fitting kala. That's what it means to be like a kala. Now, obviously, uh, the way I explained it was inappropriate for this environment. So let's make it more appropriate. Let's make it let's make it more appropriate. Again, we're not we're not we're not in that world, but we can still be in that world. I I, I picked it. I didn't. Could have skipped this piece and said, oh, "This is not for Javier," <laughs> but this is for the Javier. Why? It just it means the following. It means if you're all over the place, it's going to just make it harder to receive Torah. The more time you spend on ESPN.com, the harder it is to to chapatosos. Period. The more busy you are with receiving input from a million different places. Again, halavai. We should have one. We should have one chasam. The Torah is the only thing that influences our life. Okay, we're not. Obviously, very high madrig. But we can all choose to cut out some of those other voices, those other mashpiyim in our life, to try to be makabel with a greater exclusivity from the chasam. That, that's the most for us. I think we could all be makabel that on our own madrego. You know, there's, there's, things, there's things that I listen to or hear or absorb that are just clouding my mind, and I, I don't need it. And the cloudier I get in that, in that regard, the harder it is to lock in when I'm trying to understand the sugya. 
and care, you know, the mugging of Ram and the Eli Rabba about walking in front of someone when they're dominant. My, my brain's too busy with other things. So to cut all of that out, to be able to, to focus is a, is a big thing. That's a big thing. Okay, Chavar, a quick Torah about beards and payas. Turn to page Sadi Da. Oh no, don't turn anyway. Next, the next piece. This is this is a, a funny piece. Okay, ready for this? Beards and payas, Tara. Beards and payas are helpful to your lima Torah, says our Rebbe. The next piece, Luchos Heaven. Hashem gave Moshe Luchos Heaven. Yeah, this one's for you. This one's for your parents. <laughs> Luchos Evan. Everything in the right time, in the right length, in the right measure, you know. Luchos Evan. Luchos Evan. I was clean-shaven at my uh, chuppah. When I stood with my kala, I was a clean-shaven man. So things have changed a bit over the years. Okay, Amir Tzashah. Luchos Evan. Luchos Evan. So says the, says the Medrash, Kol misheino mesim lichayov ka'evan hazo, eno zochelatara. Okay, first, what's Pashup Shah? Says the Medrash. What? It's on the same pasuk. Oh, okay. The end of that pasuk. Hashem gave Moshe luchos evan. Say Chazal. Says the Medrash. Kol misheino mesim lechayav ka'evan. Anyone who doesn't make his cheeks like stone, eino zochet letara. It's not zochet letara. Now it's a hard Medrash to even understand what it's talking about. Thankfully, there's a Gemara in Erevin Daf Nun Dalit Amud Aleph that helps a lot. Because the Gemara in Erevin on Daphne and Dalit of an Aleph says almost come out the same thing. It says come out the same thing. And it's clear over there from the Gemara in Erevin what it means is that you have to make your you have to make your cheeks like stone because to get good at Torah, you gotta churn it out, you gotta say a lot of Torah, you gotta learn a lot, you gotta get the mouth moving. Right? That's the same Daph where the Gemara says that when you learn, it's important to say the words out loud. So if your cheeks are gonna tire, if your jaw is gonna get worn out. From learning Torah, it can be hard to be successful in Torah. You have to be like a stone, you got to keep striking and keep grinding out another daf, another daf, another daf. That's the Pashup shot. To make your cheeks like stone, like, like millstones, and just keep, keep grinding the Torah. Okay? It says, our Rebbe, such a funny part. Look what he says. A stone is an inanimate object. It's domim, it doesn't change. A stone doesn't undergo changes. As opposed to what? Let's compare it to plants, which what? Which grow. Which are growing. And it's appropriate to mow the lawn. Goes as in the kotrin oso, The lawn, you mow it, you cut it, you trim back the bushes, and then what happens? It's what? It's chozer v'tzomeach. It comes back and it grows again. So your cheeks... Your cheeks are also growing. It's growing your beard. It's growing your payas. Okay, something very deep. I'll pick How the beard is the thirteen points of the beard correspond to the yud gimomidos shalrachemim and the yud gimomidos shator and the dresses behem. Torah and the dresses The beard is important. The beard is important for. For connection to Torah, Alpi Kabbalah. Okay, and therefore, vihine hamesim lechayav keevin. You should make your cheeks like stone. Chaver, did you ever mow? Did you ever mow your uh, your driveway? You never mowed your driveway. You mowed your lawn, right? You trim the bushes, but something that's stone, you don't trim. You hear? <laughs> you hear? That's the word. Hamesim lechayav keevin. If a person makes his cheek like a stone, treat it like a stone. You don't trim it. You don't cut it. You don't cut stones. I mean, I guess if you're working at a quarry, you cut stones, but normally you don't cut stones. You don't trim stones. So that's a good, that's a good, that's a good presentation of oneself to be able to receive the Torah. The whole bar Yisrael mesugal la imyurdaf acherah, and every Jew can have greatness in Torah. Masha einkain mishenoig bo minag hatzomeach. But if you treat your face like your lawn, and you're constantly mowing it, right? Legozizo ulakotzo, constantly trimming and cutting down one's uh, beard. 
or one's payas, you're cutting off these spiritual receptors of Torah, the 13 points of the beard corresponding to the Yudgo Midos Rachim and the Yudgo Midos Shalat Torah in the Dresh's band. If you don't have these 13 Midos Rachim, you're going to have Torah. Okay, so don't so make your make your cheeks like stone and, uh, and grow a beard. Okay, payas also the same thing. This, this is really the payas part. So yeah, same thing. So be careful. Be careful how you mow your uh, how you mow your cheeks. Very careful with that. If you can't grow a beard, you have to go to the mikvah more and dive into Hashem, and then you'll be zochet to a beard. Okay, Chavra, two final pieces. One, uh, one, one more medium one and then a tiny one, which is actually the most geshmak one maybe of the day, the biggest chizik of the day. Okay, turn to Tzadivav quickly. just want to finish up quickly. It's getting late. Vayomer Hashem El Moshe, page Tzadivav. Left-hand column. Vayomer Hashem El Moshe, very, again, a strange pasaka, the simple kasha, the Rebbe asks. You got to ask the simple kashas, even if you don't have... Uh, the Agra Dekala's answer is Lamed Dalit Chavzayin. Lamed Dalit Chavzayin. Vayomer Hashem al Moshe, Ksav Lecha Es Hadvar Me'ela. Write for yourself these words. Ki Alpi Dvar Me'ela, Karati Itcha Bris, because through these words I've made a covenant with you, Ve'es Yisrael, and with the Jewish people. Write these words Lecha for yourself. Write these words for yourself because I made a covenant with you. Oh, and also B'nai Yisrael. It's funny. Did Hashem give the Torah to Moshe? Or he gave the Torah to all of us. Yesh lizbonin. Mahuk sav lecha. Why did Hashem say to Moshe, write for yourself? Yechi lemoshe levado nichtava Torah. Was the Torah written just for Moshe? Question one. Vigam hanesinas tam. The explanation as the Pasuk itself goes on. Ki alpi, that based on these words... I made a covenant with you, v'siyem v'es Yisrael, and the Jews, u'mitchila b'chsiva rak lo levado, question mark. But at first, it says, uh, you should write it for yourself, because I'm making a covenant with you, oh, and with B'nai Yisrael. So, so, what's going on here? It's almost like Hashem gave the Torah to Moshe, and then he also gave it to us. Well, what does that mean? V'hanira, says our Rebbe, you have to understand what Moshe understood, and you have to understand what we understood. Moshe understood everything. Moshe knew everything. Right? Did the Rambam know everything? Rambam didn't know everything. There's Torah that we know. We learn a Torah and a style. It's very different. The Rambam didn't know these were Muslims. The Rambam wasn't interested in Dalits and Rashes. He didn't learn the style of Torah. He stole the Rambam. But each generation has its own style of Torah. Moshe got the big picture. He got the whole thing. And then with the passage of time, each generation is Mechadesh and is Megala, uncovers new understandings of Torah. Rishun Yochai came in his time and he understood Torah in a deeper way. And then the Arizal came and then the Baal Shem Tov came and then Rabbi Nachman came and all the Tzadikim and then Rav Kuk came and the Lavad Sherebi came. Right? And Rav Chaim wrote endless Chidushim on Torah. Each generation, new people were uncovering new secrets of Torah. Yeah, the question is, why does it first say Ksav Lecha? Ksav Lecha, write for yourself. Let me write for yourself. The Torah wasn't written for Moshe. It was written for Kali Yisrael. And and then the continuation of the pasuk is exactly is exactly the problem because the pasuk says because based on this writing I've made a bris with you and with Yisrael. So why, why break that up? Is Moshe not part of Yisrael? Is Yisrael not part of Moshe? Well, it sounds like Hashem's giving two separate Torahs here. Va'anira. So the explanation is Kol Torah Shabal Peh, all of the Torah in its entirety. Every Machlokes, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Shlokes, every Rav Anabaye, every Nesivos and Ketzos, every Primagadim and Elia Rabba and Magen Avram. Everything. Called all the Torah of the future. Afilu Mashetalmid Vasik Asid Lachadish. What a good diligent student is going to figure out in the future. Ramuza Hakol Betorah Shevichsav Al Yedei Chaseros Viaseros Vatagin Vakumos Ula Fufos Uksarim Ukriuksiv Vigamachios Vechashbonos Rashi Tevos Visofe Tevos Vakyotse Hakol Kanoda. It's all hinted to in Torah Shevichsav with extra letters or missing letters or gamachios or backwards letters or big letters or small letters or inverted letters or Rashi Tevos or Sofe Tevos. It's all, it's all there. 
And Chazal tell us Moshe knew it all. Moshe knew the Chiddush that you're going to have when you go to the basin 10 minutes from now. Moshe already knew your question on the Tosos, your understanding of Rabbi Yona, Moshe already knew it. He thought about it all. Moshe Amru Chazal, like it says in the Yushalmi and Peah, Moshe knew it all. V'nigla lo remizasam b'Torah heichanu. And Moshe knew how to take Torah shebichsav and to extract from it every single vart that would ever be said. Every insight, every chakira, everything. Moshe was able to show how it's rooted in Torah Shabbat He understood how to read Torah Shabbat all the way through. Aval, Moshe lo lamad kolzel Yisrael. Moshe didn't teach that to us. Moshe didn't say, oh, let me tell you what the, what the Agar Dekal is going to say one day on Dalit and Resh. He didn't reveal that. He left that for the Bnei Yisrael, for our Rebbe, for Shmelech. He left it for him to reveal to us. Moshe taught the Torah in a more general fashion. He taught us how to live, how to understand the basics of the Torah. But all the hints, the Kavanas Arizal of how to put on tefillin, Moshe didn't reveal that to everyone. How, how one extracts that from Torah Shabbat Shabbat because Evan has to be Megalit in his time, and Jake has to be Megalit in his time, and Daniel has to be Megalit in his time. Each person has to come with their Chelik and Torah. Each person has to be Mechadish in the right time. Everyone will be able to extract, to bring to life, right? to bring to, to fruition from the Torah. To bring out, so to speak, the milk and the, you know, and the, the butter to, to churn the Torah and to make to produce your 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 product, your, your produce of Torah. The Sefer Chesed Lavram describes all of this, and with that, you understand the pasuk. we understand. Moshe, you write the Torah. Moshe, I want you to write down everything. You, in the writing itself, see all the secrets of Torah. But now is not the time for you to teach to Klal Yisrael how all of these secrets are found there. Why? Because it'll be through the Torah Shabal Peh of each generation. Al Piyadvar Meila. Kirati Itchabris Vesisal. I need to leave space for the Jews to also, each person in their own time, to say their own Khidish, to be able to uncover these secrets and to bring them to life. That's the that's the Pshad of the piece. Okay? Last but not least, turn to the last page, Sadi Ches. A beautiful, beautiful, tiny little remez on the word Saru Maher. Yeah. Where does that leave like the crowds that have the letters? Rabbi Akiva, you... Rabbi Akiva, well, you're asking on that Gemara, where Moshe didn't understand Rabbi Akiva's shir. That's a good question. That's a very good question. All right, you have the Maimar Chazal that says Moshe knew it all, and then you have Moshe sitting at Rabbi Akiva's shir and saying, I don't, I don't understand this. All right, so in what way did Moshe understand it? And in what way, when Rabbi Akiva was Megalit, was even Moshe not really able to understand? That's a very, very good question. It's a very good question. Not sure how to answer it. Okay, last but not least, Saru Maher. This takes us back to Perak Lamed Bey's Pasachas, again, right when Hashem told Moshe, go down from the mountain, Lech Raid, because Saru Maher. The Jews have, Saru? Have strayed. They've strayed very quickly. Lo Aleinu. Look how quickly we went off the derech. Says our Rebbe, as he often does, train psukin reshehon samach b'torah. Such an interesting stat. There are only two psukim in the Torah that start with the letter Samach. Interesting. I would have guessed more, no? Yeah. Two psukim in the whole Torah that start with the letter Samach. One is right here, Sarumaher. Right, Dane, this one right here. The Idach, and the other one is Slachna. Forgive the Jewish people for our veros. Says our Rebbe, why does the Pasuk of how quickly we strayed 
and the Pasuk of Hashem, please forgive the Jewish people for our iniquities, why do they both start with the letter Samach? Says the Rebbe, because Hasamach ein lo katza ugvul kihi sigolgalos. 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 It's round. Segol. It's round. The Samach doesn't have a what? An edge. The Samach doesn't have a gvul. It doesn't have a boundary. It's a racetrack that just, it's infinity. It keeps going. It's a circle. It goes around and around and around and around. What does that teach us? Lomer lecha. If you feel like sometimes I'm stuck in a vicious cycle of Averos, saru maher, that I seem to constantly, quickly slip back into bad behaviors, and I'm trapped in just that rat race of going around and around and around. When am I going to finally break out of this negative behavior? And I feel that I'm stuck in that samach, in that loop. You should also know, im kolzeh, ein keitzleslicha. You should know that Slach, HaKadosh Baruch is also willing to forgive endlessly. And therefore, clean yourself off, start fresh, and try to try to do better. Because there's no limits to how much HaKadosh Baruch is willing to forgive. Because there's nothing that stands in the way of Tshuva. What a beautiful Vart. What a beautiful, beautiful Vart. So if it feels like the, the suffering and the Averos and the disappointments are endless, you should also know the possibility to, to fix. Right? Like Rabbi Nachman said, in Matam Amin, to the same degree that you believe in your ability to mess up, so believe in your ability to fix. All right? Okay. Thank you, Tarebi, for teaching us. Anigan? Ay, 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 ay,